and welcome to IAB Europe's podcast, Digital Dawn, the podcast that brings insights and learnings from the digital advertising and marketing industry to light to spark new ideas into existence and help our industry to thrive. In this week's episode, our Chief Marketing Officer, Helen Mazard, caught up with Ravlene Beeston, Regional Vice President of Sales at Microsoft Advertising UK. In part one of this two-part episode, they take a deep dive into diversity and inclusion and look at what this means and how it can be addressed in the workplace. So, wherever you are or whatever you're doing, we hope this episode gives you a fresh perspective and some new ideas to think about. Hi everyone, my name is Helen Mazard and I'm the CMO for IAB Europe and I am delighted to be hosting my first podcast of the series with Ravlene Beeston, who is the Regional Vice President of Sales for Microsoft Advertising UK. When we were looking at our schedule of upcoming podcasts, this was the one that straight away jumped out for me. Anything to do with research and insights, that's kind of straight there. Welcome, Ravlene. Hey, Helen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Before we go into our questions and we go to that, I was just going to ask you kind of what's been the peak of your week so far, both personally and professionally? I'll start with personally. That's an easy one because something happened this week, which was super cool. So my son, Nayan, who is eight, came second in his school poetry competition, which we found out about this week, which is just huge for a few reasons. So firstly, it's such a like anybody who's a parent, I'm sure will realise the joy of when your kids achieve something and like you're just overjoyed. But also for me, it's like he's achieved it in an area that I don't really have any expertise in. That's not amazing. Like poetry and stuff is, you know, I love reading poetry, but it's not really my thing. And so it was a super, super proud moment. And then just seeing how happy it made him it's just everything. He was so surprised by the whole thing. And so that's um, incredible, especially for boys like eight years old. I have a nearly four year old son. As much as possible, you want to encourage creativity and sensitivity and poetry. It's just such a great vehicle. I'm the same as you. It's not probably my forte. I still do English literature, but I don't think I could put pen to paper and stuff putting you know, a sonnet together. No, exactly. And I think that's so amazing about kids doing it is they don't have that fear of it no. not being poem-like. His poem was like four sentences, so it's not huge, of just what he was feeling. It's called an if-only poem. So it was four sentences starting with the word if-only. And he just wrote down what he thought. Are you able to cite any of that? Uh, obviously, I'm having it. You've got it word by word, yes. Yeah. I've got it here. Let me just open it up because I've shared it with pretty much every person. And was was the topic of if only, was that given to all of the children then and then they had to interpret what that mean or did he just come up with that? No, no, because I mean the competition was all the way from reception through to year six, right? So it's a primary competition. And so there's varying levels, obviously, depending on the different ages. He'd done a module on, they had done it on poetry earlier in the year and one of the methods that they learn is this thing called the only poem. So he really clung on to that. He really enjoyed that. So that's what he decided to do. So this is his poem. Okay, ready. And wait, there. so your son's name, age eight. Nayan Beeson. Nayan, age eight. If only I could catch summer to keep me warm on winter days. If only I could trap positivity so when I'm negative, I can get it out. If only I could grab happiness to keep me happy all day long. If only I could capture hope so I can be motivated all day. That's so lovely. 
I know. It I know, is I know so... I'm going to be biased because I'm his mother. No, you shouldn't be. For an eight-year-old to be able to understand their emotions and project it like that is just truly beautiful. Well, that was fantastic peaks of the week. So I'm really pleased that I actually asked you that. Yeah, it's a great um, question to start with, by the way. I love that. Professionally, so this week, actually, just yesterday, at Microsoft, we have, just to give some context, at Microsoft, we have this like annual employee survey. And we put a ton of importance on this survey. It's called our, our Microsoft poll. And once the results are released, actually, my managers in the organization spend a lot of time looking at the information, reading comments, trying to figure out, you know, what can we do? What are the plans? And is this an employee do? survey? So this is employee a- survey. So we all do it. I, yep. you know, I do it. But as a manager and as a leader of a group within the organization, a lot of it sits on my shoulders to make sure that we have good plans for how we're going to tackle some of the things that might have had challenging feedback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do we celebrate, but also make sure we don't drop the ball on any of the areas that we're doing well in. And so we had our survey results yesterday for the year March to March, which is where the survey runs from. And there are lots of dimensions on different types of questions, you know, career development, on employee experience, on work-life balance, like tons of things. Mm -hmm. As you know, from, you know, just from the topic that we're going to talk about, inclusion is a huge, huge thing at Microsoft, you know, feeling like they belong, that they feel included in their work group. So there is a specific group of questions, which is all about inclusion. And when you group them up, you get like an inclusion index, basically, that tells you out of 100 percent how included do your team feel and and is this with the inclusion is it how included they feel within their team and then the wider organization is it broken down that way there's probably like four questions that make up the index and it includes all of that so within my work group does my manager create an inclusive environment do I feel included and belong to this company so there's like three or four questions that all kind of go up to this and for me it was probably the area that I was most worried about because in a year where we've had to work virtually, yes. we're not physically with each other, it's sometimes hard to pick up, you know, some of the cues that you might get when you're with somebody, you know, about how they're feeling. And it's just been hard. I, I think it's been so energy. hard. There's always like a millisecond delay on Zoom or on a video call. You can't quite pick up and you're not having those little chats at the water cooler, you know, making a cup of tea. So it is difficult to judge feedback. And I just think, you know, people have been through situations that we don't all know how to handle because Mm -hmm. situations have been new. And so how do you make way for that? But anyway, we got our results yesterday. So I was kind of worried about that piece because it means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to Microsoft as well. And actually, we had our highest level of positivity in that index that we've I've ever had in this role anyway at Microsoft at 96%. That's a very high. And what would be a typical number that you would have seen in previous years? Like to you, what would be like a good and what would be like an amazing? Yeah, for me, like 80 would be good. Yep. Anything above kind of 85, I would be happy with, particularly in the context that we're in. Yes. And you know, I was speaking to my team yesterday and I really mean it when I said this, but I kind of said if in a year like this, you are all able to make 96% of our organisation feel that they belong and included in their team and that this is where they felt like Mm. it was home for them. I can't ask for anything more. What would you say has been, to get a 96% inclusion rating, were there any kind of speaking to the team and speaking to people, what contributed? What were the main kind of 
factors towards that and what advice would you give to anyone to try and create a similar style workplace oh my gosh I mean that's the big question I don't know if I have like a full answer to that but I can talk about a few things because I I actually my experience in the last year has been I spent a lot of the early part of the virtual working piece trying to figure out the one thing that was going to make it all easier mm-hmm. and actually what I realized is it's not it's not there's no silver bullet here of how you do virtual working well how you make everybody feel like they're part of a team it's got to be an amalgamation of lots of lots of little things and then they all come together and I think that started to make it feel less overwhelming because in the beginning I think I was putting a lot of pressure on myself my team going okay what are we going to do like we've got to do something different we've got to be bold about something and change it and not just try and fit everything into the old box but you know put a plaster on it to make it fit and we weren't really being able to come up with anything and I was trying to read up about it and I couldn't see what anyone else was doing and so we just did lots of little things like so I guess number one is people just got to know everyone else is there that they're around because you can't see each other all the time like you do in the office and so I mean obviously we use Microsoft Teams as our communication tool our usage of Teams not just for meetings but as a communications platform generally has gone up exponentially you know so the way that so for instance you know we've made a lot more effort and this is the team as well of creating groups or teams channels for just particular interests that people had you know we created like a health and fitness channel because we realized that a lot of people were spending a lot more time focusing on yes fitness um, but you know a lot of people weren't either and that's okay so we don't want to use the big channel with everybody on it to constantly talk about the runs you've on but people could join that channel and actually I joined that channel and a few of us were on Strava and so we all created our own little Strava club so we could kind of be doing people were cycling people were pelotoning people are running like all kinds of things and so it was how do you create smaller groups of people from the bigger group so that you can create that space for more intimate interactions which you couldn't really do anymore we created a space for homeschooling. So we've got a separate channel for anyone who was a parent that was homeschooling. And we just share tip, which was me. I'm talking about the channels that I joined. I'm sure there's loads that I didn't. But, you know, all the people in the teams would just share little tips and tricks or like worksheets that they downloaded from the internet that really helped with something that they did with their kids and just a different conversation and a way to have a touch point with each other. So I think that really helped a lot. And I actually hope it doesn't go away even when we get out of the pandemic because it's a really nice way to chat and interact with people that you don't necessarily work with day to day, but you realise that you have things in common with them outside of the workplace. That even actually when we were in the office, I think I didn't know some of those things about people. That's what I was going to ask you. You must have, by having that suddenly, if you are putting it down to kind of, you know, interest-based and, and allowing people to join the different groups that as part of an organisation, that's quite rare that we really do have that chance to find out what our fellow colleagues are that interested in. So you must have met so many new people that, or not even just new people, but maybe people you're talking to regularly and you didn't realise they had the same interests as you. Yeah, I mean, it was more that, right? Like there were people in my team joining that. You know, I was having a conversation with them about something other than their numbers or their customers or what's going on in the business and their challenges. Like we were just having a completely different kind of conversation. And I think the other thing it's, helps with is you see a more vulnerable side Mm -hmm. to everybody and it's just a really 
quick and easy way to build trust. And that's hard to do, I think, in a virtual world. That's the really difficult thing is building that kind of bond and trusting connection relationships. And I think, yeah. I mean, you can find these outside of the business connection points and be able to come together on them. It can really help to accelerate that. And I also learned that, you know, my default before the pandemic was if you want the team to bond let's all go out let's all go have a few drinks everyone would do that wouldn't they they'd be like thursday night drinks or let's go for lunch or go for a walk or do something but conversations would get lost because you're not always having that one-on-one yeah and actually what i realized that's not very inclusive yeah (laughs) because a not everybody does like going out eating and drinking and b not everybody finds it easy to come out in the evenings Mm. for so many different reasons or they don't want to you know, use their evenings with work colleagues. And so I don't think I would have put the time and effort into exploring these other ways to create those connections because the easy way to is just a default to the way that we've always done it, right? Yes. Well, let's go do a big team building event. So yeah, it's been a real learning and some really interesting learnings. The other piece that I'm not sure any of us really could have foreseen other than the whole pandemic thing (laughs) is the huge social unrest that's been going on, the societal things that have been happening that absolutely impacted people. And again, how do you stay on top of that? And it's a really difficult, sensitive thing, but people need to hear what you think. And, and as a leader, that's probably been one of the biggest challenges for me in the last year is how do I address that? But that is a good question. Like, how do you, when did you feel it was your responsibility to discuss the issues that you were seeing that would impact lots of different people? Was that your responsibility to just be up front and have your positioning ready? Were you encouraging conversations from your team? Like, How did you navigate those conversations? Yeah, and I think that's been a bit of a journey because there's been times in the past before the last year where things have happened and I've probably not dealt with them head on and just thought well you know it's maybe really impactful for some people and not for others and do I really want to make a big deal out of it and underneath it probably is a fear of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong Mm -hmm. thing and then which most people I think Rattling in your position or in a senior position it is quite hard because it is about making sure that what you're going to say first of all it's factually correct you know have you got all of the information and what you're going to be putting forward to people is it going to be helping them and is there going to be something that could come out of this because words can just be meaningless can't they yeah totally and you know again it's kind of on topic for what we're going to talk about through today but it's got to be authentic and you know do I come across all that so all these things going on in my head and actually when when the George Floyd murder happened At that point, I made the decision to react in a way that I probably haven't done before, which is to be open about how I felt and be vulnerable that I didn't have all the answers and I didn't know how everyone was feeling, but I just knew that I had to say something and I had to share that it's changed me in some way. And was that a conversation you had with your team? Was it an email? Like, How did you orchestrate that conversation? I spoke to Mike, as I always do, because I have a fantastic team of managers and I kind of was open with them first to say, wow, where do we go from here? Here's all the things I'm thinking. I'm going to soundboard with you or this is what I think we should do. What do you think? And there were two things that came out of that. Number one is the whole team needed to be communicated to together in some way. 
And so there were two things actually. So I had put together an email that I sent to the team to acknowledge that something massive was going on that was going to indirectly and directly impact all of us mm-hmm. in the team. Yeah. And that although we didn't have answers and also, you know, I was quite lucky in that Microsoft was taking a very vocal stance as well. And so I was getting support also from our senior leadership teams to say, look, here's some of the things that you could do. It's your choice how you want to deal with it. But here are some examples of what you can do. And so, you know, I had a lot of support from around the company of other managers going through the same thing, other leaders also grappling with how do we deal with this? And we had some really deep conversations about what to do. So I wasn't kind of doing it in a vacuum or on my own. So yes, sent out an email and then made sure that I was able to also talk about it in the next team meeting that we had. And the the other thing actually that my managers brought up is that, you know what, if we were in the office, you might go up to somebody's desk and be like, oh gosh, you know, all this stuff going on, how do you feel and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And and the the challenge is, is this wasn't, the conversation was uncomfortable and the conversation felt, people felt scared to even talk about it. Yeah. Again, am I going to look like I'm a bigot or all of these things that go through your head? So how do we create a safe space for people to have uncomfortable conversations with their colleagues when they're not in person with each other? That was kind of the brief. Yeah. And so we came up with this idea of creating a session called Listen, Learn, Connect which now since last July, we've been doing every month. And in that session, we went out. And so I have what we call our culture team. So a team of individuals within my organization who are kind of our pulse on the ground of how people are feeling what they want. And Mm -hmm. this was an idea that they came up with. I led the first one. And what we did is put out this idea to the team to say, here's what we think we need to create. We think a way of doing that is to bring small groups of people together and have this huge topic about what's happening right now with the Black Lives Matter movement, how you're all feeling about it, and just be able to be open Mm -hmm. without fear of being judged. It's about us being better educated. It's having a forum to find out how people are feeling, reflect, all of those things. And so we had our first one, like I said, back in July, I think it was July last year, And in the end, we split it into two groups to make sure there was no more than nine or 10 people in each group. Did you put an invitation out for anyone to attend this? Was this just an open invitation if you want to join? Yep. This is. And what was the uptake? Uh, We had probably about, I'd say, 85-ish percent of the organisation. That's great. We split into two or three groups. I led one of the groups. And myself and the other two people that were leading the groups, we came together first to say, right, this is going to be really awkward (laughs) and we're not experts Mm. on the project. And so how do we facilitate it? And so we kind of had a really big conversation about some of the questions that we could open-ended questions that we could pose to the group, but also that we would ourselves probably have to kick off and share something and be a bit vulnerable and open up. So that it kind of invited others to join the conversation, but also make it clear that if people don't want to share anything and they're just there to listen, and that's why we kind of called it Listen, Learn, Connect. I was going to say the clues in the name, isn't it? And even when you're saying about meeting with your colleagues to discuss how you could do it. If you don't feel comfortable saying anything, that's okay as well. Like no one, if you don't want to put your video on, you don't have to. But if you've got a lot to say and you want to get it out, then you can. It's just free for all, open. And 
yeah I mean they were so successful we carried them on actually all the way through the whole of last year changing the topics and my gosh we haven't had any shortage of topics what have you managed to cover in the last for the first few we covered the Black Lives Matter movement quite a lot people started going well I'm kind of done with talking about it like now we need to have a conversation about how we want to act. That's what I was going to ask. Like, what did you have when you set up these groups? Did you have any ideas of what it could potentially lead to or any outputs you wanted to see? Or was it very much, let's just listen and let it organically work its way out so we could see what could be the outcomes? Yeah, when I was talking to the other group leads, we had a bit of a giggle to say, you know, if you do something at Microsoft, it's always got to have a scorecard and an objective. (laughs) And so actually we wanted to do the complete opposite. Yeah. With the Especially for sensitive topics. That's okay. really commendable that you're not putting that kind of corporate level. We've got to have this deliverable. It is going to be led by the people and we will just see what does come from this. It was pretty scary, to be honest. My anxiety levels were quite high the day before we were going to have our first session. But we started to move on to themes of allyship after that. And actually, we were supported by a lot of training that Microsoft was also releasing at that time, specifically on privilege, on oppression, on allyship. And so we started to use the sessions as a forum for people to discuss what they were learning and how they felt about it. Mm-hmm. Like, again, they're really sensitive topics. You know, you're talking about privilege and, and that can incite all kinds of emotions in yeah. people, both positive, negative, all that kind of thing. And so it started to become a space where we would just discuss anything that people got to start to vote on what topics they wanted to talk about. And actually the one that we've got coming up next, we've got one coming up next month is all about creating safe spaces for women. Mm-hmm. And actually is being led by one of the men in our team who brought the topic up and said that he wanted us to focus on that, given everything that's been happening recently in the UK and in remembrance of Sarah Everard. So yeah. the topics have been so wide ranging. Some have kind of just focus more on training and things that we're learning and a place that we can bounce ideas off each other on things that we are being educated on. And then others have been on really deep topics of things that are going on in society and everyone's just looking for a space to be able to share how they feel and what they feel without the fear of being judged. And I think that's absolutely remarkable. And I think, you know, I certainly hear lots of organisations that will set up similar topics, maybe for clients or for partners that they're working for. And sometimes these days it can be really rare to actually bring that in-house and hear those opinions from employees, but also for employers to be brave enough and to not feel that they're going to get it, that they could potentially be liable for anything that's said or they could get it wrong. This year has certainly been something where there has been so many different topics have all impacted us and especially you know you're talking about creating safe spaces that's something that you know I'm seeing lots of organizations trying to do different things so the other day that there was a petition I think in the UK about tax when it comes to taxis late at night for expenses that you can get put in for women but you know you're saying you've got a senior male who is willing to run this session and has brought it up it's actually it's a member of my team who it's not even anybody from the management team and he put his hand up and said I want you know this should be our next topic and I'm I want to run it so we're going to take a quick break but do join us for part two where Ravine and I will dive into her career in advertising and also discuss the importance of having purpose in marketing as discussed in Microsoft's new playbook thanks and see you in part two